Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know what? It's the day before Thanksgiving. A lot of you guys are going with Blackout Wednesday or Black Wednesday because you're trying to hide the fact that you're coming home from college or you're going out and it's Blackout Wednesday and then hungover Thanksgiving. But let me give you a little different deal. How about being thankful? How about walking around going, huh, pretty lucky I have that. I do that once in a while. Once in a while I go, huh, pretty lucky. That person's in my life. Pretty lucky that person's in my life. You know what I'm thankful for? And this sounds really weird. There's a lot of things. Don't get me wrong. And my family is always number one. The ability to be healthy, number two, all that stuff. But I, I thought about it today. You know what's pretty cool in most of our lives, or at least in some of our lives, hopefully all of our lives, is that when you get up and you're going to work. Now, I don't really consider this work. This is fun. But when you get up and going to work, there not there something about being able to turn on FS1 and there's a soccer game going on that people all across the world care about? Isn't there just something about it? Isn't there just something like skipping school? Like tomorrow, whatever you're going to be doing tomorrow, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be a heck of a feeling to just be able to turn on your TV and what? The Giants and the Cowboys, the Bills and the Lions, you got the Patriots, and the Vikings, sometimes you just got to look at little things and go, man, because even on this show, you're looking at it right there. You know, we're going to have three games tomorrow. We're going to have a bunch of stuff to watch and a bunch of stuff to do. But while we're doing that, I have a suggestion. I have a suggestion for those of us that are fortunate enough, fortunate enough to watch. There's a lot of people that aren't. There's a lot of people that are homeless. There's a lot of people that don't have television, don't, are, 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 don't have families. And we can't solve every problem, right? I mean, a lot of it, I know, people get, people get mad, boom, 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 boom. They go back, well, it's their fault. It's their, okay, whatever, whatever the problem is, but do yourself a favor. At the very least, if you have the means, do you look up local, something local in your house. For me, it's the Wheeler Mission here in Indianapolis. And donate. Just donate. Maybe do it today. Maybe say, you know what? Goodwill. Whatever is around, there's all kinds of different places for you to donate to help. You know, a place like the Wheeler Mission gives Thanksgiving dinners to people. Donate. It doesn't have to be anything other than five bucks. Who cares? But if a lot of five bucks came in, guess what? Or if one guy saw you give five bucks, and next thing you know, he said, you know, I've got the means. I'm going to give 500 bucks. Donate. It's kind of a plea. It's like, you know what? While we look around and we say, man, am I lucky. I'm lucky to have Dylan and Ryan and Aaron and, and Haley and Davey, everybody helping to make this show great. I'm the luckiest dude in the world. But sometimes you look around and go, yes, I'm lucky. Others are not. Let's donate. Let's help. It's just a thought because we're all thankful for what we have. We all should be anyway. We all should look around. If you open up your eyes, you can see there is plenty to be thankful from for, even if you're not the richest man in the world, even if you don't have much, who cares? Remember when you were a kid? I think about this all the time. When I was a kid, 
You don't know what you don't know. And you don't know what you don't have. Like, I went back to my grandfather's house. My grandfather, Dokic. Yeah, my grandfather, Wurzba. One Serbian, one Polish. And I got to tell you, those houses were about as big as my head. We didn't know. We didn't care. We went in the basement, and I'm telling you, I'm sure by today's standards, both houses, or at least the one house, my grandfather, Wurzba, his basement probably would have been shut down by the Board of Health. We didn't care. We played in the basement. The side yard was about this big. Lucky to even be caught. We didn't care. They had a fence. We're trying to hit home runs. My grandfather, uh, uh, Dockets, lived in Gary, right on the railroad tracks. He walked every day. True story. He walked every day to the steel mill under this bridge, and he went to the steel mill. We went to his house. It was, a, it was an up-and-down duplex. You know what I'm talking about? Old school. Below was his cousins. Above it was him and my, my grandmother, but she passed away at a very, very young age. I don't remember. But when we go, we didn't know what we didn't have. What the hell do we know? We knew they had a street and a ball and a stick. We played. We didn't care. We didn't have to have a mansion. We didn't have to have a big screen TV. We didn't have to have computers all over the place. At some point, you got to get back to that. At some point, we, me, maybe. I'm just, maybe I'm just on a couch right now talking. But at some point, wouldn't it be nice if we all got back to that when we were kids? We didn't know what we had. I'll never forget this. My cousin Roy and I, big, strong kid Roy, a couple years younger than me, great football player. My parents were moving from Maryville out to Valparaiso. Kids had left, but they were moving in actually to a much bigger house. So we spent a weekend just moving stuff, right? Driving, packing up cars, vans. We got vans, packing up crap, moving to the other house, moving, blah, 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 blah. We spent enough time at the other house in Valpo. Now, this isn't a mansion, but of course, the house we grew up in was this big. Well, the truth of the matter is, we went back to the kitchen table at our house in Maryville, and we're like, man, how'd we ever have four people in here? As compared to our place in Valpo that I was never really going to live full time because I was already done with college. It can happen that fast. You can get, boom, you can get fooled, you can get tricked, you can get whatever that fast. It happened over a weekend. I'm like, oh, man, this place is tiny. Grew up, I didn't, it wasn't tiny, it was great. In fact, it was too big when I was a scared little kid because upstairs, if I had to sleep upstairs and my brother wasn't home and my parents were downstairs, I was always scared. It's too far away. It was literally not very far away because the house wasn't very big. Take a moment. Go back. Think about it in your own life. I guarantee you most of the people, I call it the Leonard's house. Most of the people in your life didn't grow up in Brookwood, which is the fancy neighborhood in Maryville. They didn't live in the Leonard's house, which was, at the time, I thought this big, sprawling estate with a beautiful chandelier. Now I look at it, I'm like, oh. Take a moment. Take a second this, this next two days and go, man, what I got's pretty good. Not what I got could be better. Not what I got my neighbors got more of. Hell no. My life's pretty good. My life's great. I'm the luckiest dude in the world. In fact, I would argue my life's sick. Absolutely sick. Dumb. Shouldn't have this life. Don't deserve this life. But I'm thankful for this life. Last night, here's what the Dockages did. I was really tired. I didn't feel great, so I didn't go. But Jared Shaw, Tegan Shaw, my beautiful, wonderful stepkids, my wonderful mother-in-law, Sandy Ross and my wife went to trivia last night. Yeah, that's right. Trivia at the District Tap. District Tap's a big old place with great food. Guess what? They won 75 bucks in gift cards. That's right. 
they went in and they kicked you know what. And they had a blast. And my wife called me during it. She goes, hey, we're winning. At the end. Now, you got to understand, my wife has won Big East championships. My wife went to the College World Series in softball. My wife was an All-American, and the thrill in her voice to having won a $75 gift card and beating everybody in this big old bar restaurant called the District Tap over there on 86th Street was great. I'm so thankful to be married to her, but not only her, but the entire family. I don't care if they won or not. I care that they went out last night and had an absolute blast. That was awesome. Be thankful for times like that. Seriously. I know that doesn't move the needle. And man, am I looking white today. Holy cow, am I looking white. Jeez. But anyway, long story short, let's do it. What do you think? With everything going on, we can think of something to be thankful for. All right, let's talk about this weekend. Let's talk about what's happening in football. Here's an interesting game. The Giants and the Cowboys. The NFL on Thanksgiving. The Giants and the Cowboys. Here's why this is interesting. This always fascinates me when we talk about football or we talk about basketball or we talk about anything. Like my wife just sent me a nice text. Good morning, sweetie. Have a great day. She's working. She gets up at 5 because she likes to go to Athleta over in the mall. She gets half price and unload stuff. Put her iPods in. She has a couple friends. They all work together. They get stuff done. She's done at 11. She comes home, and she's rolling. But in the meantime, she thinks enough of me to send me a nice text. Thank you. Beautiful. Anyway, I always get fascinated by these things in football. Yes, I know it's, is Dak Prescott better than everybody? Yes, I know should Pollard be starting or Zeke Elliott? Yes, I understand that. Okay, I get all that. But here's what I look at when I look at the Giants taking on the Cowboys. I look at this. Who's going to bounce back? Now, you say to yourself, what do you mean bounce back? Cowboys don't have to bounce back. They beat the living crap out of the Vikings. Nay, 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 nook. It's a week-by-week deal. Of course, Of course, the Giants have to bounce back. They got embarrassed. They got absolutely whooped. Are they going to bounce back? Can the Cowboys handle success? Can the Cowboys go from an unbelievable game where they played so well, they dominated the Vikings, and guess what? Can they bounce back on a short week? The Giants, on the other hand, are they for real? See, here's the deal. Real teams bounce back. I'm going to take the 10 points, and I'm going to take the Giants because I want them to bounce back. I want to believe in Brian Dable. Look, we crown guys either bums or great really early in their NFL coaching career. Nathaniel Hackett, bum. Brian Dable, genius, yeah? Brian Dable just got his brains beat out by Dan Campbell and a bad team. Is he still a genius? I don't know. But I do know this. We're going to find out if they are real, and that's the most important thing in this. I think they are. I think the Giants are. And I'll take the 10 points. Bills and the Lions. Interesting game. Who's hotter than the Lions? I ask. Who's hotter than the Lions? They've won three in a row, two on the road. I mean, what are you doing? There's a nice little spread. The Bills, they went and got it done. They went to Detroit. And now they're still in Detroit, which is all right. But the Lions are hot. I'm going to take the 10 here. I think the Bills are great. But remember what I told you. You guys don't remember this. Remember what I told you about Josh Allen. Do you remember? When he was playing golf with Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, 
Patrick Mahomes this summer. What did I tell you? I told you I don't like his eyes. I don't like his eyes. I think he's a great quarterback. I think he's going to win a ton of games. I don't like his eyes. What do you mean you don't like his eyes? Look, if you haven't coached, you don't know, and I can't explain it to you uh, at 9.30 in the morning on a freaking uh, the day before Thanksgiving. you got to trust me on this. What does that mean? Oh, no, they can win by two touchdowns. There's no question. They're a very talented team. But what have you seen him do now this year when there's real pressure on him, on Josh Allen? Been so great in the red zone, has he? Yeah, he makes those big running plays, but when you got to make the touch pass, when you got to make the Mahomes throw to win a game, how's that going? Not great. Not terrible but not great. That's what I said. Uh, Great talent, Josh Allen. Fantastic ability. He'll win games, but can he win big games? And this, frankly, is a big game. Patriots-Vikings, you want to talk about bouncing back? And are you for real? Same thing. Look, nobody knows. You can talk about Delvin Cook. You can talk about Kirk Cousins. You can talk about is Mac Jones good enough. You can talk whatever you want to talk. But you know what? That's just guys giving you content. Truthfully, that's just content. That's not real. Like, that's not what Belichick is worried about. It's not. That's not what Stefanski, well, whoever the coach is. Who's the coach of Minnesota? I don't know. I know who the GM, assistant GM is, Ryan Grigson, which means they're going to win and they're going to be tough. But the truth of the matter is, that's not, coaches are worried about that, the position coaches. The head coach is saying to himself, all right, here's the deal. As the Vikings, we just got crushed. Our soul got crushed. Our heart got taken on national TV. Big game against America's team. Are we going to bounce back? That is a great question. The Patriots, are they for real? Think about what the Patriots can do. Patriots can jump right there. They can jump right there, right with the Bills after Thursday, after tomorrow. Why? Well, Bills lose, Patriots win. Guess what? Here we go. It's really fascinating because this game absolutely comes down to players. Don't get me wrong. But going into this game, this is what the coaches are looking at. Belichick wants to know, are we for real? That's what he wants to know. Hey, look, we've beaten some teams. But really good teams? Have they really? I mean, have they really? You know, I know they beat the Colts by 110. But I also know last year Belichick's team was in a pretty good spot. Belichick's team was all right. I also know last year Belichick's team folded. So as we sit here right now, guess what? Belichick gets the win. He's 7-4. and four. Bills get the loss. They're 7-4. and four. Who would have thunk it, right? Well, it's got to happen first. But I'm just telling you, bouncing back is big. I'm going to give you who New England's beaten. All right? And this is the way coaches look at it. Good win over the Colts. Crappy win over the Jets at home. When the quarterback for the Jets led him to like two inches per uh, carry. It's going around the internet. Look it up. They lost to Chicago. They beat Cleveland. They beat Detroit. So their wins are Pittsburgh, Detroit, Cleveland, New York Jets, and Indianapolis Colts. And then the Jets again. Not exactly a murderer's row. So now you test yourself. And I don't care what happened to the Vikings last week. The Vikings are good. Vikings have shown themselves to be good. Yeah, they had a bad game. What are you going to do? But the truth of the matter is, when you look at these games, they're fascinating. Now, that game 
is the Patriots giving two and a half. So let me ask you, YouTube chat, because a lot of you guys on the YouTube chat, a lot of you girls on the YouTube chat, you guys listen to me uh, in the afternoons too, and you know what I always say, Urban Meyer and the points in college football. You want to get rich? Sell your house if Urban ever goes back and his team is getting points. Nick Saban and the points. I don't care if they've lost two this year. Nick Saban and the points. I'm not betting my entire house, but I'll bet, uh, I don't know, half of it. I'll be the prodigal son, right? We'll divide it in half. Is it Bill Belichick and the points? That, ladies and gentlemen, is the question. See, Urban Meyer and the points wasn't just a given. I go back to whatever year it was when he was getting points in the Big Ten championship game, and I was doing a basketball game for ESPN, Arizona at home against Gonzaga, and we're sitting in this restaurant after with the producers and everything, and my brother's calling me going, hey, I'm taking Wisconsin. I go, what's the line? They're only giving two. I go, to who? Ohio State? Are you nuts? You're an idiot. It's 51 to nothing, Ohio State. Troy Epstein's going to join us, senior writer, Yahoo Sports. I'm looking forward to talking to smart people. That's right. <laughs> we got a smart day today. We got Jory. We've got uh, Ennis Cantor. And then we've got me. That ain't great. And Jeffrey Clark. Jory, how are you? Thanks for the time. I can't hear her, uh, Dylan. Shoot. What did I do? Oh. I know I did something. Hey, Jory. Can you hear me? I got you. Dan, Are you kidding me? You got All me. Right. We're back. We're back in, in this, action. <laughs> in, in every conversation that you are in, you are the Dallas Cowboys expert. All right? We get the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys tomorrow. Here's what I'm saying. They are America's team. I get it. I'm old. I remember watching them. Yay, Rod, go fight with. But they are also America's most inconsistent team. We love them, and then we got to fire McCarthy. Dak's the greatest, and then bring back Gary Hogaboom. What are we going to see tomorrow? Yeah, it's a great question, Dan. I think one big question is, okay, the Cowboys have struggled to defend against the run. Can they stop a guy like Saquon Barkley tomorrow? This offense, are they going to understand that Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard are key? Or are they going to say, no, we really want Dak to throw even when the receivers aren't necessarily open? I think this Cowboys team is better than the Giants team, particularly when you think about the Giants' recent injuries. Is that the team that's going to come out against things on Thanksgiving when, hey, the last three Thanksgivings the Cowboys have lost? We'll have to see. All right. When you talk about the Cowboys, it always goes back to Jerry Jones. You've covered Jerry Jones. Couple of things. One, what's the dude like as a football guy? And two, is he holding, in your opinion, the franchise back by being owner general manager, making the deals? Yeah, it's a good question. I've worked with Jerry for the last seven years, and I will say, first of all, he's super media friendly. I mean, the man talks like three, four times a week. We talk to him after games. He's on radio Tuesday and Fridays. Uh, sometimes he'll just be around the star and have something to say about Cooper Rush and what if he's as good as Dak Prescott. You really never know what you're going to get with him. Uh, I think to say that he's holding back this franchise from a football standpoint would suggest that he is fully doing the responsibilities that his team owner and general manager titles suggest. 
Stephen Jones, his son is the executive vice president. Will McClay is their director of player personnel, vice president of player personnel. And those guys are really making a lot of the decisions. I think they've made a lot of smart decisions, whether it's bringing in kicker Brent Maher in training camp or, hey, we were all kicking them when they got rid of Randy Gregory in the offseason, got rid of their right tackle, got rid of their left guard. And they've honestly looked stronger and at least more consistent at a lot of those places. So do I think that this is their year? I don't know. I have a lot of trouble believing they're going to advance to the postseason or in the postseason to an NFC championship game until I've seen that. It's been a quarter century. I was like 18 months old the last time they won a Super Bowl or even made it to a conference championship game. But I think that this team is moving in the right direction. It, it's been a quarter century since they've been into an NFC championship game? Yes, the 1995 season. I got to tell you, <laughs> that's a lot of publicity for the last 25 years for a team that hasn't done that. Wow. Yes. Hey, most valuable sports With, franchise in the world. Who needs a Super Bowl, right? I know. I guess. I mean, just just have an owner that talks a lot. I guess. We got an owner in Indy that talks a lot, but a lot of times it's incoherent, which we like. I mean, it's all, <laughs> it's all good. All right. When you look at the – let's go NFC first. You know, we mentioned that in the NFC. You mentioned what just happened with the Cowboys. I don't think the NFC is necessarily very good. I mean, is, is Tampa any good? Are the Vikings any good? You know what I mean? Like, I think San Francisco's pretty good. What do you see in the NFC? Yeah, I think the Eagles and the 49ers seem like the most complete teams, the teams I would be most worried about in the playoffs. The Cowboys definitely, when they're playing at their best and all things are clicking, they are a force to be reckoned with. Their postseason record just isn't great. What's interesting to me about if the Cowboys, because again, that's the team I'm with most often, were to face a Tampa or Minnesota versus a San Francisco or Philly is – that difference in defending against a mobile quarterback is huge for the game plan. It's huge for the assignments. And although I would never count out Tom Brady in the playoffs, I do think that like this team would be best served to see a pocket quarterback early. So I think, like you said, it's a wide open conference. I, you know, I just got done watching the Eagles play here in Indianapolis. And, and I got to tell you, yeah, Jalen Hurts is terrific. But for most of the game, and I know it's only one game, they were kind of an unorganized mess. I mean, they were offsides. They down the field. Every play was brought back by something, frankly, uh, kind of stupid. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like over a grade. It was just stupid, Jory. What do you think of the Eagles? Yeah, I, I watched that game, and hey, maybe Jeff Saturday is just some miracle worker confusing all of the yeah, teams okay. that come and play against the Indianapolis okay. Colts. It's got, that's got to okay. be it, right, Dan? No, I mean, they're <laughs> okay. definitely not. They're not an immortal team, but I do think that they put enough weeks together, particularly on offense, that I think they're really talented. I mean, look, they've lost Dallas Goddard recently for a little bit of time. They lost their defensive tackle who can defend the run. But when I think of what Jalen Hurts can do with A.J. Brown, they've got Devonta Smith over there. That defensive line is a force. I still think they're going to figure it out. And quite honestly, if I'm the Philadelphia Eagles and my goal is to win an, a Super Bowl championship again, I want to have a little of this adversity in the season because – not because, oh, it makes you tougher, but also just schematically, you need to understand where your weaknesses are now rather than in January. Um, the Eagles did something bringing in Damakin Sue, and I can never remember the other guy. And it's like, we, you know, we I've talked about it on this show. Yeah. 
Yes. I talked about it on this show. Like, you know, last year you saw the Rams brought in guys, including OBJ. So let's talk OBJ. Dak's reaching out. Uh, he's been in the Giants games. What, what, do you see OBJ number one playing, number two playing for the D- Dallas Cowboys this year? Yeah, I absolutely see him playing. That's not a question. I think that my understanding is he has been fully medically cleared. He's putting in the work to just get a little bit more in football shape. And then he's expected to visit with the Cowboys and Giants possibly as soon as next week after Thanksgiving was what my understanding was. And, hey, like these teams are in conversation with him. These players are reaching out. It's wild how public and how open the Cowboys have been with this recruitment because it'll be interesting to see the sentiment in the locker room if they don't get him. But if it really is down to the Cowboys and Giants, which currently seem to be his favorites, I mean, hey, this is a guy who wants to contend at this stage in his career. These teams are both 7-3, and three, but the Giants are kind of moving in the wrong direction with some of their injuries, at least for this season, although they've got a great future with Brian Dable, whereas the Cowboys, they've got back, Dak back. They've got Ezekiel Elliott back, Michael Gallup. Those are all guys who have missed time with injury this year so far who are now moving in the right direction. And I think that the Cowboys... The Giants offer more of an opportunity at the receiver position, but the Cowboys offer more of an opportunity to advance in the postseason. Yeah, you know, if if I were the Cowboys, this is – all right, let me back up. This is odd to me. Like, you mentioned this. You know, I coached college basketball for 700 years, and there were all these different rules about, well, you can't publicly go after a recruit. You can't – Cowboys, they don't care. Like, even though I think the Twitter page of the Cowboys is recruiting Dak Prescott, right? Yeah, no, they they are very openly recruiting OBJ. What's so weird about this situation is how often do you have a talent like him who is a free agent in November? And again, this is due to injury, but that's like, look, if this was someone they wanted to trade for, for the trade deadline, I mean, you know all those rules. We've all heard a billion times. Oh, we can't talk about another player on another team. He's not on another team, which is why they're able to do this. Now, whether they're wise, the reason I think that he's going to end up in Dallas is because if the Cowboys weren't pretty sure, I don't think that they would. I'm not saying Micah Parsons wouldn't have tweeted at him, but do I think Dak Prescott, who's a little bit more subtle, would have gone to this length? Do I think Jerry Jones would have said, I need to tell the world we're Super Bowl championship caliber because... That's what Odell is looking for. I think that they they got to figure out the money here. And and if Odell wants to play here and he wants to settle in Dallas, he's got family here, he wants to be in one place for the next few years, both sides have a lot to offer each other. Um, OBJ and the money, what, what, what kind of money are we talking about here? You know, Dan, if I knew, it, it was funny. I think the Cowboys were saying, if we knew that, we'd have the deal right now. I do think that the Rams put a little bit of a blueprint in. And one thing is, like, the Cowboys have cap space. They traded Amari Cooper's $20 million salary to the Browns. And I'm not saying they want to replicate something like that. But also, if you think about it, on a prorated basis, he's not going to be here for that many games this year. So I think the question is less, hey, what's he making per year or per game and more what does he want in terms of guarantees? How many years does he want? Those are the the details that they've really got to work out. I got to ask you, I walked outside today and yesterday it was about 50. Today it felt like 257,000 degrees below zero here in Indianapolis. Is it nice living in Dallas? Is it just nice? (laughs) It is about 56 degrees here today, which I got to say, I appreciate I'm actually moving to New York in March. So I'm like, enjoying every last bit of warm weather while I've got it. 
Um, and then moving there when it gets a little bit warmer. But I, I got to say, I love the sun. I love being able to run out yeah. year round. I have a college roommate lives in Wimberley, and he, he called me the other day. Yeah. He goes, it was snowing here, like last Saturday out of nowhere. And he's like, let me ask you a question. Why, why do you live there? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, what do you do? <laughs> you know, hey, last, last thing. Um, are you surprised covering the Cowboys and covering NFL football? Are you surprised at what's going on with the Washington Commanders and Taylor Heineke? Because I love that. I love the story. Oh, yeah, it's a great story. I loved his interview. What was it last week on Monday Night Football after they'd upset the Eagles? And like the guy's getting emotional just to have this opportunity. And I believe that. Look, I don't think you can have a guy with intangibles who doesn't have the skill set to play the game at all. Like, I think you need a little bit of both. I think it was interesting seeing Arizona play this week where it's like Colt McCoy. It's what they want as a guy in the building. But like at some point, do you have the starting level caliber talent on a regular basis. But I do think that this team is rallying around Taylor. They were having serious issues with Carson once. It didn't help that Ron Rivera was saying our quarterback is the problem when Carson was starting. So yeah, I think it's a great story. And I would say like, ride it this year, see what happens. You don't have to make a long-term commitment to him, but if you're getting guys like Terry McLaurin to, to reach that level that they're able to reach, like that's a great place to be in right now. And that franchise yeah, has it, bigger problems than its quarterback right now. Well, yeah. Do you see – all right, you cover it. Let's talk about because our guy Jimmy Ursay called him out. Um, let's go two years from now. Not, sometimes things take long. Two years from now, is Daniel Snyder the owner of the Commanders? Yeah, it's funny you say that. I was at that NFL owners meeting in New York talking to Jim Ursay when he made those comments, and we're all like, wait, what did you just say? Like – Merit to remove him. That's not like a, he said it so casually, and you just see like the PR guys like yeah. kind of a little bit off. Like they knew it was coming. This was not like a oh, and he kept going. He said it like ten different times. Like you knew this guy wanted this message out there. So that was definitely something. But I don't know when when a few months ago I would have been like, nah, that guy is not going anywhere. You might want him to, but think about it. The last time they tried to have him go somewhere, even with congressional investigations, he's like, oh, no, 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 it's not me running my team. It's it's my wife running my team. This is all Tanya. I think that once he hired Bank of America Securities to start investigating and once these cases start continuing coming out and he's not able to get the stadium built, the reality of the NFL is I don't think they're going to force him out because of the workplace allegations, whether they should or shouldn't, that's another question. But if he's not bringing in money, if he's losing money for the league and he can't get a stadium built, then you're a financial liability to the other owners, and that speaks to them. So I could see him out within two years. Two years, four years, I think it's difficult to know the exact timeline, but I think the last month or so we've really started to see momentum that we hadn't seen the last five, ten years. Yeah, and Jim, Jimmy started, but to your point, honest yeah. to God, it, it, he came up to me at training camp because I'm always on the Colts, and his PR guys were literally like, he'll say anything, right? I mean, he, and yeah. he, it, to your, I could just see his guys going, come on, 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 get out of the way, get, get out of the yeah. way, right? And he just keeps, he just keeps talking, man. And having covered Jerry Jones for so many years, you're used to that. We never leave him. I mean, I remember it was last year, Cowboys-Giants, December, at MetLife Stadium. We were talking to Jerry as a group. Then he starts walking off. His bodyguard's like, hey, he's done. And Jerry's like, no, 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 you you can come into the elevator with us. Like, I need to be on my way out, but you can keep asking me questions. I'm like, cool, if you say so. Like, as a reporter, you never leave early. So I also think, even if Jim Irsay is willing to say what he wants, 
if there weren't any other owners who agreed with him, I don't think he would have said it quite in that fashion and at that length. I think there are other owners who agree with him. I, I agree. I, I And I don't know Jim Ursay, but, you know, when you're, you follow a guy, I, I could see them talking and Ursay saying, you know, hey, I don't I'll care, I'll it. say it. Yeah. 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 No, I, I'm, I'm picturing a rock, paper, scissors game at the owners' meetings. Like, hey, which one of us is going to go out there and say it? All right, right Jim, you, you, you had paper, yeah. we had rock. Like, head on out there. I could, I could 1,000, I mean 1,000% seeing Jimmy Ursay uh, do that. Hey, it's been a pleasure. I, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy Thanksgiving. You get, you know, the Cowboys. Uh, it's fun. I hope, you, I, hope you call, I hope you will come back because that was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Dan. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Same to you. No, that was awesome, man. Go follow Jerry or Jory at Jory Epstein on Twitter. Great information, not only on the Cowboys, but on a lot uh, the NFL and a lot of fun to talk to. There you go. We're off to a great start today. Per usual, numbers are huge. Thank you. Um, we got Ennis Cantor coming up. He's suing the NFL, which I think is freaking awesome. Excuse me, the NBA. He's suing the NBA because he feels he has been blackballed. Where it goes, I don't know. He just won a Most Patriot Award. Our guy, our guy, we're going to have some bets with Jeffrey Clark coming up at Jeff Rowe Records. We've got a, a ton of stuff. The NFL, or excuse me, the, I'm losing my mind today. The NHL lost its mind. The NHL went broke. Aaron Judge is talking to the Giants. We got the World Cup I'm watching right now. It's one to nothing Germany over Japan. What a world. Let's go. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Oh, that is absolutely gorgeous right there. Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, thirteen beers on your head in a turkey cowboy's helmet. Yeah! We got football, we got football with a U. And by the way, uh, upset alert. I think it's upset alert. Somebody would have to tell me. But Germany is tied with Japan right now in the 77th minute. Now, I don't know what's real because the gambling sites are already always ahead of me on this. Speaking of soccer, look, Cristiano Ronaldo, the world's most famous athlete and probably the world's second most handsome man, has parted ways with Manchester United. What a difference. What a difference in the Premier League and how real people do their business and how American sports do their business. You literally would have to commit some kind of heinous crime. Actually, if you committed some kind of heinous crime, you still can't be dropped from your NBA team. A few years ago, some guy named Tinsley, Jamal Tinsley, literally and his posse shot up downtown. True story. They got in a gun battle going through downtown. 
Tinsley pulls his car right up to the Conrad's front door. He and his buddy run in. They lock the door, leaving the equipment manager for the Pacers in the car. The dude gets shot up. Not dead, shot up. Pacers couldn't get rid of Tinsley. They couldn't do it. They had to pay him. They, they, they sent him home. They didn't let him play, but they had to pay him $14 million over two years to sit on his ever-increasing backside after getting in a shootout with his guys against those guys. I think it was out of the eight-second saloon down here in Indy. Well, let me tell you something. Premier League, a little different. Cristiano Ronaldo, who is, well, Tinsley's just a point guard that got numbers. Cristiano Ronaldo is a great, great player. Now, that's not the world's most handsome picture right there, but he's a good-looking dude. Reminds me a little of myself. So here's this guy, Ronaldo, who may be the best soccer player in the world. I don't know. Who the hell knows? But anyway, so he goes on a rant against his team. He gets public, does an interview, podcasts, all that kind of stuff, and he really kind of rips into Man United. Man United says, screw you, Ronaldo. Screw you. We've had enough of you. So then the team works on ways to get rid of Ronaldo. Now, you can say to me, well, Ronaldo was working on ways to get rid of Ronaldo. He knew what he was doing when he did that interview. Of course you're right. But the team doesn't do what American teams do. How much crap have people put up with with Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving? I always go back to this. There was a guy named Steve Howe, a left-handed relief pitcher back in the 70s and 80s for the Dodgers. Look him up. How many chances did this guy get? Different story. Anyway, so I like the Premier League. And they have relegation. They have relegation. I like relegation. You stink, you drop. It's the American way, but apparently it's only the European way. Look, this is a touchy subject for a, what what am I, a white cis male? (laughs) I'm a white dude that likes chicks. What can I tell you? One in particular, I'm married to her. (laughs) But anyway, so what's going on in the NHL? Like, what are you doing? Less than 1% of the people are transgender. I get it. We're all trying to be woke. And I'm all for transgender. I don't care. I legitimately don't care. Good for you, NHL, if you do. So let's show the tweet from the NHL. The NHL is going to put out a tweet that says, hey, look. Oh, man. The NHL puts a tweet out that basically says women are women no matter what. Uh, That ain't, that's fine. If that's what you want to do, that's great. If that's how you want to go about your business. Trans women are women. Trans men are men. Non-binary identity is real. Why, that's the tweet. Why do we always, always, Denigrate women. Always. You think a trans woman's a woman? Great. Wonderful. But she ain't giving birth. I'm just telling you, if if a trans woman is a woman, she ain't giving birth. She ain't nurturing like a woman is. And I don't care what you tell me. I don't care if you're transgender, male or female. It doesn't matter to me. But the truth of the matter is, trans women are women. 
trans men are men. Now, this is what the NFL, NHL decided to put out. They decided to put that out, and then they blocked all of their responses. Like, what are you doing? Like, it's okay to be a major business and cater to the majority of your audience. It's okay if you want to be very inclusive on transgender. Hell, the NHL is proud to support this past weekend's Team Trans Draft Tournament in Middletown, Wisconsin. That was the first tournament combines entirely of transgender and binary people with 80 folks participating. Good. So way this started, guy said, so men playing on women's teams. Trans women are women. Trans men are men. Non-binary. Okay. All right. Removing women's ability to describe themselves as a group is an ultimate act of male impression. This is from a lady. And just like that, the NFL or the NHL eased the special and unique places women hold in biology and history. All right. Look, I don't care what you do. I just wonder why the hell you're doing it. I mean, look, and no one is going to come at you. You're, you are in a safe space. You are in a very safe space because no media is going to come at you because you know that everybody in the media, particularly white dudes, who are the most, I guess, other than Stephen A. Smith, powerful dudes in the media, that's what everybody tells me. I don't know whether it's true or not. I don't pay that much attention. Are scared to death of being phobic or ist. Well, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, if you guys want to keep denigrating women, then God bless you. You can denigrate men all you want. Who cares? But women, man, biology is interesting with women. It just is. It's what makes a woman a woman in a lot of ways. Not every way, but in a lot of ways. And you notice I got to tiptoe around how I'm talking here. I just think this thing by the NHL is crap. It's needless. And let's stop women. Let's stop. Let's stop minimizing women and children. Let's just stop. I don't care what you do to men. You do whatever you want. But let's stop minimizing women and children. Jesus. So you ever have that girlfriend that says, yeah, I like you. Yeah, we had a great relationship. Yeah, everything's going really good. Uh, but I'm going to go see uh, Fast Eddie over here for a little bit. You what? Yeah, you're not quite taking care of me. It happened when I was in high school the other way. I asked a girl to prom. We were juniors. I was the big stud, right? I'm the guy. Been dating this girl. I knew that I had stolen her from the running back from Hobart High School. I knew I had. So long story short, we've been dating. A couple weeks before prom, I'm like, hey, you want to go to prom? She's like, yeah, but if you didn't ask me soon, I was going to go with Joe, the running back from Hobart. I didn't know he was in the picture. Apparently, he was in the picture. I didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. Week before prom, girl walks up to me. Doesn't seem like you want to go to prom. I go, I don't. I'm not going. You can think that's harsh, but hey, what's she doing talking to somebody else? Made no sense to me. Anyway, that's what Aaron Judge is doing. He's talking to other girls. He's talking to Joe from Hobart. What are you doing? Hey. Aaron, we had a great time. Hey, Aaron, great relationship. Hey, Aaron, we're rocking and rolling. Aaron, what are we doing? Well, Aaron's doing what Aaron wants to do. He's going to talk to other women. 
Stole, or other guys in my case. Uh, you're going to talk to the Giants. Giants, nice place. You ever been there? Woo! Now, who the hell wants to live in San Francisco? But I can make the argument, who the hell wants to live in New York? If I was Aaron Judge, I'd come to Chicago. But who the hell wants to live in Chicago with that idiot mayor? What are we doing? Who the hell wants to live anywhere? Does Indianapolis have a team? Does Nashville have a team? If I'm Aaron Judge, look at Japan, just took the lead over Germany. If I'm Aaron Judge, I'm talking to everybody. I'm talking to everybody. I mean, I'm talking to literally everybody that I can talk to, and I'm going to get some info, and we're going to see what the heck's going on around here. That's right. That's what I'm doing. And you Yankee fans are left to sit there. Now, Aaron Judge is 30 years old. How many years do you want to give him? Are you paying for past performance? How upset would you be if you were a Yankee fan and Judge left? Would you rather have Mookie Betts playing? Would you rather have Mike Trout playing? I don't know. But you're going to have some money if Aaron Judge goes elsewhere. That's when the real heat comes on, Brian Cashman. Look, if you don't want to pay Aaron Judge 10 years, $400 million, I don't blame you. Who can blame you? Dude strikes out a lot. Yeah, dude's great. Perfect in the pinstripes. All it's going to do is affect Aaron Judge's career, not yours, if the Yankees are smart. So let Aaron Judge go talk to another girl. Let Aaron Judge flirt with other people. He'll be back. There's a saying, right? It's some kind of saying. If you love something, let it be. If it comes back, it's meant to be. Something like that. I'm not a romantic. The only poem that I know is If by Rudyard Kipling. That's all I know. But the truth of the matter is, hey, baby, you do you. And, uh, hey, Yankees, you do you. Uh, World Cup is unbelievable. Denmark and Tunisia. I watched this yesterday. Uh, Luckily, I took tie no bet. It's fun. All you got to do is turn on your TV right now. And you're going to see joy, pure joy. Like, I get it yesterday when the Saudi Arabians, when they made, uh, uh, people are telling me the biggest upset in the history of the World Cup by beating Messi in Argentina. Yes, I know the Saudi government bad. Yes, I know all the stuff. But I got to tell you, watching a sporting event and the joy and the heart that those Saudi soccer players, you know what? I didn't care what the government did. This was sport. This was heart. This was hustle. And that's how I watch them. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I mean, you know, somebody can write an article in a newspaper saying I'm wrong, but that was sport, man. That was hustle. That was desire. That was energy. That was, God, I love this once in a lifetime. Let's go kind of thing. And I'm down with that. Mexico and Poland played to 0-0. Now, if you get too many, if you get too many 0-0s, we're going to stop watching. Now, I'm just telling you, you might want to get some scoring in that. Oh, did you know France was down one to nothing? They were part of a parlay that I had. So France gets down one to nothing. And next thing you know, I'm like, whoa. I literally walked 15 steps doing my afternoon show to the bathroom. It's 15 steps. Came back. It was two to one. I swear to God, it happened that fast. Now, my breaks on that show aren't that long, and uh, Jennifer and El pa- El, uh, Van Pasterman and the rest of you on the YouTube chat, you know when I got to go because I'm standing up, I'm bouncing. But I swear to God, yesterday, France just said, All right, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. France said, hold time. I'm tired of you. I've had enough. No, 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 no. I've had enough. Let's go. Boom, 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 boom. Four goals, four to one. France wins. There you go. Um, I love, and I'm not very smart. I'm after the fact smart. Like, I'm the guy that can come up with something to say after the fact. 
Look at this joy by the Japanese crowd. Are you allowed to say Japanese? I think I am. Uh, Anyway, Ryan Leaf. As guys like Ryan Leaf or me or others, uh, Clay or whoever happens, we, we get attacked. You get attacked on Twitter. You know, and Ryan Leaf is an easy target, right? Ryan Leaf has had personal struggles in his life. Ryan Leaf went to jail. Ryan Leaf has come back. Ryan Leaf's great. I mean, who cares if he doesn't throw a football as well as Peyton Manning? I tell you this, I'd rather listen to Ryan Leaf talk right now than Peyton Manning. I know what Peyton Manning's going to say. Well, they're good, but he's going to make some kind of funny comment, and it's not funny, and everybody's going to laugh. Or he's evaluating what you're saying, and he's going to make some snide comment, and everybody's going to laugh at old Peyton. Peyton said something funny. <laughs> he said it. It ain't that funny. No, hell, you the way he said it. I love Mr. Peyton. Shut up. Anyway, Ryan Leaf. Let's show the exchange here with Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf was not having it. Ryan Leaf ain't messing around, man, on Twitter. Really can't believe we picked up moron Ryan Leaf. More mud, Ryan Leaf. Let's show Leaf's response. I've had a better life than Jeff's fans for the last decade, and I've spent three of those years in prison. Should be then. But anyway, that, let me read that again. I've had a better life than Jet fans the last decade, and I spent three of those years in prison. Respectfully, of course. Man, you know what I need? I need a tweet writer. I need a tweet comeback writer. How good is that from Ryan Leaf? Now, look, people always suggest don't come back at inane people on Twitter. Nah, it's fun. Nah, what are you going to do? Well, it doesn't, the guys at ESPN, you say, it doesn't help you. You know, well, what does help you? If I didn't do everything that doesn't help me, I'd never sit on a couch. I'd never watch TV. If I eliminated all the things that don't help, quote, help me, I, I don't know, I wouldn't have beers at night. I wouldn't drink a little hiatus tequila before I go to bed to help me sleep. That was ESPN's big thing. Well, it doesn't really help you. Shut up. Sometimes, you know what you got to do? Sometimes you got to please yourself. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just got to do what old Ryan Leaf did right here, and that's just please yourself. You got done with that, you looked at it, and you said, you know what? That's pretty damn good. What's that song? You got to please yourself. Yeah, I mean, and so Ryan Leaf, once again, becomes, you know, you know, a guy. Uh, Dan, how are we still using woke in 2022? I've never seen anyone who uses it who has any idea what it even means. This is from a guy named Irish Marks. Now, I could literally say this guy, Mike Marks. This guy, I could say I am wearing a red shirt. And he would say, oh, you don't even know what a red shirt means. You're really stupid, Dockage. What happened to you? I don't know what happened to me. Life happened to me. The world happened to me. I'm a bad guy that happened to me. That's what happened to me. So anyway, it's just fun sometimes to go back at people. It is. How about this last night? Gambling update. Listen to this. For those of you that gamble, you'll understand this. 
So last night, I decide I'm going to put a 14 parlay, and we're going to have Jeffrey Clark coming up here. All right? At Jeffrey underscore Clark. He's our gambling guy. But this is the plight of a gambler. You ready? So last night, I'm tracking. I'm like, you know what? Lee and them went. I wasn't feeling great. I said, I'm going to watch Maction. And I'm going to bet on it. And then I'm going to put another team in the parlay. And I'm going to win some money. It was $50 to win a couple hundred. The team that I put in was minus 390. It was the Denver Nuggets at home against the worst team in the world, the Detroit Pistons. So I've got, I've got uh, Ohio over Bowling Green, Miami over Ball State, and then the Nuggets. I'm watching. I'm not even paying attention to the Nuggets. Ohio's rolling. I figure Miami's done. Miami's done. They're down 14 to nothing. I think it was 17 to 6 when I said, yeah, I ain't watching no more. I watched the show on Pepsi. Guy wanting a plane. It's pretty good, actually. Uh, Look it up. It's on Netflix. I don't even pay attention. So this morning, I open up my stuff, and I go, huh, I got some money. Wow. Well, one of my parlays hit. Cornell, Ohio State, Ohio, and Miami. What? Miami came back and won. So then I assumed that my other one. The Denver Nuggets, minus 400, 390, loss of the freaking Detroit, or whatever the hell they're called, Pistons. The plight of a gambler. The plight of a gambler, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Um, We're coming back. We've got a segment with our guy, Jeffrey Clark. Now, Jeffrey, all he does is win. That's it. That's all he does. So get a pen and paper. Do yourself a favor. Get ready to rock and roll, and we're going to win you some money right here in two minutes. Get ready. Let's go. And by that time, hopefully Japan will have beaten the Germans. We'll be right back. Hey, football season is in full swing. It's time to cash in on your favorite players with prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. Here's the deal. Simply pick two or more players and decide if they score more or less than their projections. The more players you pick, the more you can win up to 10 times your money. All first-time users that deposit and use promo code DOCKAGE will receive a 100% deposit bonus match up to $100. Deposit $100, get $100. Entries on prize picks can be made in seconds. They offer fast, safe withdrawals. Download it today. Don't forget to use promo code DOCKAGE for a special welcome bonus. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is a day before. Well, actually, you can bet your face off today if you'd like. I mean, what are we doing? You can absolutely do that. Are you kidding me? Anyway, here's the deal. Our friend at Jeffrey underscore Clark joins us now. He's got prize picks. Now, now, prize picks is a sponsor, but prize picks, correct me if I'm wrong, my man, is a nice way to bet and make some money. 
Um, and it's on individuals more than anything else, correct? Yeah, it's like daily fantasy sports, but like catered for sports bettors who really like player props. So you can, there's two different ways to play a prize picks entry. One is a power play where you can select up to four uh, players to go over or under their uh, projection according to prize picks. You have to hit all four uh, at the max um, to, to, to hit the power play, or you can do a flex play where you can pick up the six and you don't have to hit all of them, but it's got a reduced tiered payout. Um, and yeah, they're a sponsor. They, they offer awesome promotions, including a Thanksgiving one, which I included in my prize picks this week, but I gotta be honest, Dan, I, I really love this all company. Right, let's go through and- the picks. Let's go, let's go through the picks. Um, pick number one, you've got Devin Singledary more, more what uh, over a touchdown basically right yeah more than more yeah a touchdown right whether it be receiving rushing and uh passing now he is a a multi-purpose running back he's able to catch the ball out of the backfield but the uh, the first thing that i look for when i'm shopping for these prize picks entries is i like to compare these prices against their the sports book prices so devin singletary has the third best odds of of any player on Thanksgiving to score an anytime touchdown around minus 140 across the consensus. So the sports books believe there's a very good chance he's going to score a touchdown. So that's why I wanted to throw it in here. Also, it makes sense from a strategic standpoint because Buffalo knows they're going to have to put a lot on Josh Allen's shoulders come playoff time. So I think they're going to kind of reduce his workload, especially in red zone situations and especially against the Detroit Lions red zone defense, which is just terrible. They don't need Josh Allen to uh, to risk his health uh, by running it in from the red zone. I think they're going to give Devin Singletary more touches, and they've given him more red zone touches each of the last three games. So I really like that one. That was my first play. You like you like Daniel Jones over 190 and a half passing yards. I like that. I like that a lot. 190 yeah. passing yards, Daniel Jones. Well, I'm a Giants fan, and I kind of think we're going to get dump trucked <laughs> by the Dallas Cowboys. So, like, if if we, if we have to play from behind, if the Giants have to play from behind, there's a very good chance he's going to go over this number in garbage time. And he's went over his pass for at least 196 yards in seven of his ten losses this year, or uh, since last year, excuse me. So if the Giants lose, he's probably going to have to throw from behind, obviously. And he's also went over – this number in four of his five starts against the Dallas Cowboys. So again, I just I just think the Giants are going to be from playing from behind and they're going to need him to air it out a little bit. I mean, he threw it like 40 times last week against the Detroit Lions, which is is not what the Giants want, but that's what we want for our prize pick entry. What what is this? This seems weird to me. Why does Prize Pick have a Minnesota Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson more than 0.5 receiving yards? What is that? Yeah, so I'm going to give you guys a promo to join up, but they also, we can do a promo on a promo. They have a Thanksgiving Day promo where all you have to do or all Justin Jefferson has to do is catch for one receiving yard, right? So if this one doesn't hit, I'm cursed, and you probably should never invite me back here to donut me. But And I also think, you know, (laughs) Bill Belichick is going to do an awesome job on Justin Jefferson I don't have to really sell why Justin Jefferson should get at least one receiving yard. I mean, he's one of the best wide receivers in the business. So he's going to get one. I just wanted to juice my flex play up. But 
If two of these three hit, we get 1.25 um, times our return or times um, our, our bet back. And then if all three hit, it's 2.25 times. So it's a flex play, um, but hit Devin Singletary more than one uh, more than one touchdown. Daniel Jones more than 195 yards and only one receiving yard for Justin Jefferson. I love it. All right, what do you what do you like across the board? We got a lot of action coming up. What what do you like in terms of football games, basketball game? What are you looking at? Uh, well, for basketball tonight, I'm going to take Dallas, the Dallas Mavericks um, at the Boston Celtics tonight. Um, Luca or, or Dallas just lost, as did Boston. Both are really good after a loss, but Dallas is like 25 and 10 against the numbers since the beginning of last season after a loss. They put they perform really well against uh, good teams on the road, and both teams like to use uh, play a lot of half court offense. Well, Dallas's half court offensive offensive efficiency slightly better than Boston, and their defensive efficiency is way better. Also, uh, Jason Tatum is listed as questionable. If he can't play, I, I love Dallas plus the points here. Um, and I also have one of these Thanksgiving games I'm going to play. I'm, I'm taking the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I think one of the first appearances I made here, uh, Dan, I was giving out the Philadelphia Eagles in primetime against Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins is atrocious in primetime and that it's scary to back him, especially against Bill Belichick. But Mac, Mac Jones is terrible. I mean, he's he's probably the worst quarterback in the league outside of Zach Wilson. And they had no business winning that game last week against the Jets. I was on the Patriots. I'm happy I won that one. Um, but, I mean, Mac Jones is terrible, and I don't think Bill Belichick can cover for him much longer. Um, their their run defense is a little suspect. They've been good in recent weeks because they played against crappy quarterbacks and they could just jam the box. But against a, 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 a Kirk Cousins who can make some throws, uh, keep the defense back a little bit. I think Dalvin Cook has a big game. I think the Minnesota coaching staff wants to keep Kirk Cousins out of harm's way, and they're just going to run Dalvin Cook a whole bunch of times. So I'm going to lay the two and a half or three with the, the Minnesota Vikings. What do you like what on Thanksgiving, Dan? Two and a half and uh, – what's that? What do, what do you got in Thanksgiving? I know you're going to get some uh, you know it's, some Turkey Day you action going. You know what? Going. I'm going to take – I'm going to take, and this is not this is not me being smart, but I'm going to take the Detroit Lions plus 10 against the Bills. Now, I think the Lions are playing well. Like, I think they're playing well. Like, people say, well, you know, uh, you lucked into a win. I, I, you know, I don't even want to hear it. I, I thought, and I watched them play for whatever the reason. I watched them play this past week against the Giants, and I thought they were a good football team. I saw them in training camp against the Colts for a couple days. And when DeAndre Swift is playing, he's really good. Like, he's stupid good. And I got to mm. tell you, Jeff, when, when, I'll take 10 points in an NFL game. I will. Um, 10 points seem like too many to me. You know what I mean? Like, 10's a lot in an NFL game. So I'll take that yeah. 10. Especially when you consider Buffalo's crazy travel situation, right? They had to fly from the snowstorm in Buffalo to Detroit. 
uh, this past week when their game was relocated. They flew back to Buffalo in the meantime, so they're going to fly back to Detroit. Now, obviously, they're on private jets. It's not that big of a deal. It's not like traveling in the old days, but it's definitely going to suck, and it's. It, it, I think it's enough of a reason, especially the way the Detroit Lions have been playing, to take the points at Detroit. So I don't hate that look. I'm not going to follow you on it, but I don't hate that look. Um, I think my favorite look, though, in all of Week 12 is – I've been fading the Philadelphia Eagles for the past two weeks. Uh, I hit them. I hit the Washington Commanders money line on Monday Night Football a couple weeks ago against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, and I hammered the Colts last week against the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm taking the Packers on Sunday Night Football plus six and a half, plus seven. Um, I think it's plus seven on DraftKings against the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers offense needs to be able to run the ball. Philadelphia's rushing defense is terrible. They cannot stop anyone on the ground. Um, So I think Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon get it going. I think they help Aaron Rodgers a little bit. And Aaron Rodgers got this thing going with that kid Christian Watson and feels like Christian Watson is going to be his new Jordy Nelson, his new Devontae Adams, like his new guy to go to. So my favorite look in week 12 is, is the Packers. Um, do you have any college football looks yet? You always give me winners. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Hey, welcome back. It is an honor, particularly given that today the United States is getting ready to start the World Cup. Two o'clock, you can see it on Fox. And the legend, ladies and gentlemen, yes, you know him well as a stud soccer player. You know him as a broadcaster, but this is a man who has recorded at minimum eight albums that I could find. I'm not the best on the internet, but I got eight albums to your credit. You got more? I mean, I just released one. It's called Melt Away for all three of my fans out there, including my mom. And uh, it's on all the different streaming platforms out there. Straight ahead, pop rock. And, uh, you know, you put it in your car, you turn it up loud, you put the windows down, you drive really fast. And, uh, you know, I keep doing it. It's a, it's a labor of, uh, of love, but I mean, what do you mean you can't use the internet for to to find a song? I mean, that's like the base base no. part of using the internet. It's like going to you know. 
Spotify or something. No, I always come up short. By the way, Alexi Lawless joins us. I didn't introduce our guest, but I don't think I have to. Like, I'll say to my wife, like, hey, I found all this. She goes, no, there's 20 more things. So I'm like, I don't want to shortchange you out of the number of albums. I was don't worry. I, I haven't even, I haven't even, you know, added them up yet. So, right. you know, it's a, it's a catalog, as uh, as, as we call all it. Right. So the catalog's out there on all the different uh, streaming platforms. Melt Away is the newest one. It's, uh, you know, uh, like I said, just some straight pop rock that uh, you and the kids can enjoy. There you go. Uh, look, you were just on the Persian Gulf. By the way, he is coming us to us from the World Cup in Qatar. You came up, you go, yeah, I just, you know, I was in the Persian Gulf. Have you, I, I was watching an interview with you. You obviously are one of the most traveled broadcasters in the country. You ever been on the Persian Gulf before? I've never been on the Persian Gulf. This is my third time back to uh, Qatar. I'm here in Doha, Qatar, home of the World Cup, which is upon us here in a matter of days. Sunday it kicks off. Um, so I've never been on a boat on the Persian Gulf. And so tonight, <laughs> the you know the powers that be out there took us out and uh, fed us and and uh, took us around. Just an incredible trip around the uh, the bay here. I mean this this city is is nuts in in the in the best possible way. It's like this. It's like this weird version of Vegas where that, you know, that undercurrent of uh, of danger that it, that that and dirt that kind of exists in Vegas. It doesn't exist here. And it's just they, they, they have so much money. And to be fair, they've they've spent it pretty well in terms of the architecture and uh, the opportunities here and the and the, just the, the, you know, the craziness that's going on here. But anyway, we're going to kick a ball here, have a. Uh, have a good time and broadcast the World Cup. And so I'm having a good time. I don't know when I'm going to get back to uh, Qatar, but like I said, third time that I've been here and it gets better each and time I get each and every time I come. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to get to the United States. Does no beer sales in the arenas. Does that affect or what effect? I mean, it affects everybody viscerally, right? Especially those of us that drink. I will say this all three times, including the current one here, I've been here for about a week. It has never, ever been a problem for me to have a drink in my hand anywhere uh, that I go. Yes, there are certain areas where they don't do it. And as you mentioned today, uh, evidently, we find out that it's not going to happen in the stadium. Now, you know, part of me, you know, the drinker in me says, you know, what the hell is that? You know, this is this is this is sports and you want to have a beer and you want to have a drink and do all that kind of stuff. And the other part of me says, Listen, I am a I am a stranger in a strange land. I am a guest over here, and they do things a little bit differently here. And like I said, if you want to drink, there's plenty of opportunities to drink. You're just not going to do it in the uh, stadium right now. But to come this late in the game is kind of a, a little bit strange when it comes to you know the sponsorships and the relationships, whether it's Budweiser or anybody else here. But oh, I think we found something out when it comes to this World Cup is that nothing is normal. Everything is different. Everything is unique from when it's happening, where it's happening, the decisions that they are making. And who knows, even on the field, I, I'm going to bet that this World Cup is going to throw up some really, really strange, unique things because of all that. Two o'clock, the United States goes against Wales. That's 10 o'clock uh, where you are at. Youngest team in the field is the United States. OK, what, what do you think we're going to see out of Team USA? I think we're going to see a team that is attempting to woo us to a certain extent. Uh, the U.S. men's national team didn't qualify for the last uh, World Cup. And in my estimation, that was the biggest failure in U.S. soccer history. They have qualified for this one. And so that, check that box. But they also recognize that they have to make us believe again. They have to make us have that that pride we feel when any type of American team goes out there on the field. And not just the scoreline, but how 
they go about getting that score. And the first game, like you mentioned, is a game a game against Wales. 80% of the teams that win their first game in their group play, there's groups of four, so you have three games, go on to the next round. And that's the first order of business for this team. Against Wales, we are a better team than Wales. Second game is against England. We are not a better team than England. Doesn't mean we can't beat England. And then the third game against Iran, I think we are a better team uh, than Iran. So that's a bunch of points out there and certainly the pathway to get out of the group. And I don't want to... I don't want to let this team off the hook. Yes, they're young, as you mentioned. Yes, they're inexperienced. They're, you know, young people, we do dumb stuff when we're young. We all do it, right? So they're going to do some dumb things, but they're also going to have that wonderful youthful swagger and that beautiful arrogance, and they don't know what they don't know. And I think they're going to use that to their advantage. And we should expect, you should expect, America should expect this team to get out of its group and not settle for less. Is this an athletic team? Is this a fast team? Is this an, you know, you can be young and really talented, and you get done things like what you're talking about. How talented is this team? How athletic? I mean, from an athletic perspective, we've always been kind of athletic. We've always kind of relied on that. I think what has been married now with that athleticism and that, you know, for lack of a better word, American spirit that I think is a hallmark and I hope never goes away is a technical ability that has increased and these players have been groomed from a very young age to be professional soccer players. Very few of them have taken that traditional path that my generation took through college. And at a very young age, they were not only groomed, but they were given incredible resources in terms of coaching and facilities and pathways to big clubs and to big uh, big leagues around the world. And so we got like Bishop Pulisic playing for Chelsea in England. We got players like Tyler Adams and Brendan Aronson playing for Leeds. We got guys like Weston McKinney playing for Juventus in uh, in Italy. So these are some big teams. These are some big leagues. And once again, with that, so with all of that that we give them, we have higher expectations. And I don't think it's unfair for us to expect more, even though they are younger because of all that they were given from a very young age. You played in them. You've, you've been on the broadcast of them. You, you are, when people talk about soccer in the United States, you're pretty much the face of it. So let me ask you, you talk about expectations. What do they have to do to meet your expectations? Nobody else, yours. Right. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, the, the obscenity law, right? In the Supreme Court or whatever, right? You know, I don't, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it, right? And so, you know it when you see it. I, I get passionate. I get emotional sometimes about this, uh, about this game. And in particular, about this team, because this is a team that goes on the field and plays a game that is played all around the world. And as you know, it's also a game that relative to the rest of the world and the rest of the cultures around the world, we are coming at it from behind. We are not number one. Having said that, when I see that team take that field and, and you know, not just the you know, not just the responsibility, but the opportunity for these young players to go out there as a team and individually. And they put that shirt on, they put their hand over their heart and they sing that song and they represent what I feel is the greatest country in the world. I think I, I want to see and I want to feel that they are experiencing the same thing. And yes, there's the technical side and all that kind of stuff, but you're playing for your country. It's something that's really, really unique. It's not about how much you know the money that you make or how famous you are or who you're dating or how many social media uh, you know uh, likes you have it's about representing your country and you know in this in this time and in this era there's very few things that unite us as a country and i think that this world cup and in particular this team in just in a very short period right here can bring us together to celebrate this country through the eyes of soccer through the lens of soccer and through the world cup in a way that other things can't well, let, let me get, let me piggyback on that then. So, is there is there a bit? Does America travel 
for the World Cup? Do the fans travel? Is this going to be, you know, are we going to see an explosion of patriotism uh, from the crowd through the Americans that are there? I mean, have you ever just started to chant USA? And when we start chanting USA, everybody, it's just, it's contagious, right? And I think people, they want to do that. And absolutely, they travel. There will be people, and we've already seen people and fans uh, that are here in Doha for, uh, you know, for the for the U.S. And these are kind of bucket list types of things to go uh, to go to World Cups. We have a wonderful soccer culture. We do not need to apologize for what we are or what we perceive we aren't. Uh, we, we, we have a culture that is passionate, that is uh, discerning, that is educated, that is emotional, um, and understands what the game is. And yes, it's growing. And look, I, I one of the things that I'm that I I remain concerned about is that as soccer people in the United States, you know, sometimes we can be asses. Sometimes we can be. <laughs> you know, unwelcoming. And that's the last thing in the world that I want to be or that we need soccer to be. And so whether it's you or anybody else out there, even if you don't know a damn thing about the game, I want to make sure that I am as inviting and, and as inclusive as I possibly can. And all of us, you know, when we're out there with Fox, we want to make sure that people are tuning in. I mean, we got a game against England on Black Friday. Everybody's home. I think everybody's going to tune into that game and, and the other games, but in particular, this game against England, our, uh, you know, our friends from England. And I want to make sure when they get there that they are they feel like they are part of this party because it is a party and I don't want to do anything ever that is a barrier to entry for anybody that want to want to wants to come into the soccer tent because it is a warm tent it is a tent that is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it's awesome once you get there you know um I want to go back to something I coached for a long time college basketball and so I think coaching is really important I don't understand soccer. I don't understand the, the coaching in soccer. But I do understand this. When the United States loses, the coach gets fired just like every other freaking sport. So, so how are we relative to the rest of the world in our coaching? So we have Greg Berhalter. Uh, this is a guy who you know grew up in the United States, uh, went you know the college path, uh, and then became a professional. Uh, and I, I like him a lot. I got a lot of time for Greg Berhalter. He is a true believer. He is a romantic to a certain extent uh, in the in the way that he wants to play and the mandate that four years ago when he took the job, uh, you know he made very very public in that he wanted us not just to be more successful. But the way in which we play, he wanted us to change. And I think halfway through it, he, he recognized that he, what he wanted to do and what he could do might be two very different things. And look, you, you, you've, been, you've been around sports, you've coached, you understand that sometimes you have to be able to adjust and you have to be able to be flexible as a coach in terms of the things that you're doing day to day and your overall ethos and, and, and identity. And I think Greg Burhalter has done that. And it gets back to what we, we were talking about in that I think he has implemented or reintroduced a little bit more of that grit and that um, that swagger and that rawness that has kind of defined the U.S. team, but then mixed it with a, a desire to be a little bit more expansive. And I think that that's going to result in a team that's more entertaining, but ultimately has to still be successful, like you said, because Greg Berhalter, for every all the success that he's had over the last couple of years with this team, and he has had success, He's going to be judged on the World Cup. It might not be right. It might not be fair, but that's the world. You know, life isn't fair and soccer isn't fair. Welcome to the world. 2014, Indianapolis closed the streets when uh, I think it was against Germany. Uh, big day, World Cup. I'm doing shots. The whole thing is crazy. It's a great afternoon. 
And everybody knew the name Tim Howard, right? Tim Howard stood on his head. He's the guy. How are we fixed at goalie here? So a really interesting story. We have a guy named Matt Turner, okay? And he was actually previously playing for the New England Revolution in Major League Soccer and then just got a transfer to Arsenal uh, over there in the one of the great clubs in the world. Now, this is a guy that started playing soccer in his teenage years, and that's pretty late for any soccer player. And yet he gravitated to it, and he has just gone step by step by step, and he is the number one goalkeeper, so much so that he took over the number one spot, and the number two, if you will, now, was actually left off in an effort to make sure that Matt Turner understands that he is the man. And he is a wonderful shot stopper. I think he's going to be called upon, like you said, maybe not in the way that Tim Howard was back in the previous uh, World Cup in uh, against, uh, against Belgium. However, he is going to be called upon at different times to save his team and keep his team in games. And those saves, when you see them, while it might not be the, the 10 or the 12 saves that we uh, that we can see at times, it might just be that one save. And that's sometimes the hardest thing for a goalkeeper. Sometimes goalkeepers that just face shot after shot, you get into a rhythm. So sometimes the hardest thing for a goalkeeper is to have to save that one shot. Alexi, uh, all right. Uh, how important or unimportant? My guess is it's unimportant, but I've got people, I do a radio show in Indy and I'm talking World Cup and they're like, yeah, well, you know, they lost their last friendly to Japan. And I'm like, that's like spring training compared to where we're at right now. Am I wrong about that? Or did the Japan loss expose something? I mean, it's like rankings, right? You know, if you can, you can spin them to whatever you want. And uh, so these are, these are two games, the last two games, like you mentioned, before the World Cup. Now, they were played in some really strange circumstances in that they played them over in Europe. They were in kind of these bubble-esque type of things with no fans, uh, not great fields. And at a time when other teams were kind of having these send-offs from their, uh, from their country to kind of celebrate what was going on, it just was a very strange type of game. Now, that doesn't mean that it didn't bring out some uh, some problems, but I don't think that they were problems that Greg Berhalter and this team or the fan base didn't already uh, already recognize. I mean, this is not a perfect team by any stretch of the imagination. However, I think that they do understand what they are good at. They do have, again, uh, they have this feeling within them that they can do things that haven't been done before. And I I love to see. It. I'm look. I'm. I played back in the 1900s, back in the previous century. All right. And I, I don't want I don't want a grumpy old man any of this right now. But I want to see a team that says, screw you, old man, that says, I don't care what you were back then. We're going to do something the likes of which you and your generation didn't do and the likes of which we have never seen. That for me is progress. And that would warm the cockles of my redheaded American heart to see them do that. Handicap the field for me. All right, so your safe money is on Brazil and Argentina right now. Uh, you want to win a little, maybe a little bit more money? You're talking about probably a uh, you know like a Netherlands, maybe maybe in England, but they they always think that they are better than they are right now. A lot of people are talking about Denmark as a dark horse. It's kind of hard because they had a really good tournament a couple of years ago and they kind of came to the forefront. I mean, really kind of dark horse where you really want to win some money are, are teams like Senegal. I like this uh, uh, this Serbia team to come through, but I do think that there's going to be some upsets. I do think there's going to be some strange things that happen. Lionel Messi. In Argentina, this could be the last. Uh... You know, something's going on with my damn monitor here, and I apologize for that, but we'll get it figured out. Uh, Ennis Kantner coming up here in a little bit. I like the Detroit Lions plus 10. I like, I'll take the Patriots and points. I will, I'm sorry, and I'll take I'll take the Giants plus 10. 
against the freaking uh, Cowboys and don't at me, people. Everybody wants to at me. Quit at me. Hey, I, I like who I like as I got a friend, Big John. Hey, man, I like what I like, Double D. That's right. That's exactly right. So don't at me about any of this crap. I like what I like. The boys in the back room are getting it done. Thanks for staying with us. We are back and better than ever. We got what the hell Wednesday coming up. Look, here's the deal. Let me see where we're going to get started here because I I, I got to tell you, NFL players are the softest little batches in the world. They're just soft. Ex-NFL players give me gas. They just do. So just give me a second, but apparently S, uh, SEC Network's Benjamin Watson, a former tight end, and he was a, he's a real smart guy, and he's on set with a guy named Peter Burns. Well, Peter Burns makes a joke about, well, your mother kicks me last night or your wife, that kind of thing. And it, it so what? Well, it then blew up. You know, Ben Watson didn't handle it great. He didn't handle it horrible. He was fine. Afterwards, people were criticizing Burns. Behind the scenes, everybody was saying this wasn't a joke. This was a bit. No, this was a bit. This was a bit. Peter Burns came out yesterday with an apology tweet. Now, think about what I'm talking about here for just a second. Think about what I'm saying here. Think about what I give a rat's ass about, what we're talking about. We're talking about an ex-NFL player that can't handle, cannot handle a yeah, well, that's what your wife texts me. Oh, man, never put your hands on a guy. Don't ever put Shut up. Never make a wife joke. Shut up. Man, oh, man, you guys just give me a headache. You give me a headache. So, um, so what a guy made a joke. So what a guy said, hey, uh, that's what your wife texts me to. Who cares? And then ESPN lies about it. It's obvious it wasn't a bid. Peter Burns said it. Now they're saying it's a bid. I, you know what? Who cares? Drives me nuts. An ex-NFL guy always has to be freaking so sensitive. We're going to show it to you in a minute. But the bigger point is ex-NFL guy is so sensitive. Oh, my God. You can't have two quarterbacks. I can't believe what Zach Tate or Zach, what's his name? Zach Wilson said. He he disrespected the defense. Shut up. I, NFL guy, I want you to look at me. I'm looking right in the camera right now. Are you really that soft? Are you? Seriously? That Zach Wilson saying, hey, look, man. Look, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, no, I didn't let the defense down. Are you really that soft? I mean, if you're really that soft, then fine. But you guys, you NFL guys, you guys could not handle one day with me. All right, let's play the video here of these clowns. I like Peter uh, Burns, though. Oh, something messed up. I'm sorry. Uh, we're going to hit it here in a minute. Yeah, for two days, this this is uh, this little monitor right here, but you don't care. So anyway, the deal is simply this. Next time, and it'll happen, it'll happen tomorrow. Some whiny blank NFL X player gets on and starts complaining about something that somebody said. Really? Why do you care? Like, I don't know why anybody cares about my Twitter account. I don't know why anybody cares about anything. I, I honestly don't. I don't know why anybody cares about, well, you know, he said, she said, Zach Wilson was disgusted. Let me go two parts. Zach Wilson of the Jets was disgusted. 
he didn't want to answer nothing. Like, no, nah, leave me alone. And he, hey, look, if I were Zach Wilson, I would tell the idiots in the media, no. And then I would go to, I would, I would go to my teammates and go, man, I let you down. I'm not, I would, this is how you do it. I'm not letting any of those fools out here in the New York press think for even a second that we're catering to them. But I know I let you down. And I let you down big time. And I can't tell you, I got to do better. That's what Zach Wilson should have done. That's what Zach Wilson should have been about. And, you know, it's the same thing here. Like this dude here, this guy Watson, holy cow. Holy cow. I mean, you know, okay, guy made fun. So what? God, are we soft. The NFL guys are the softest, biggest babies in the world. We'll get back to it if we've got the video. An ugly incident took place, and it happened Sunday night. Um, we have this video, but I don't know. You know, Again, we're having some technical difficulties. Uh, break. Uh, hang in there with us. But um, I, don't, I don't get what people are about. How about this? Chargers-Chiefs game. So in the Chargers-Chiefs game, a fight breaks out. Now, why a fight would break out, I got absolutely no idea. One team won Chiefs, one team lost Chargers. Go about your business, walk home, and don't worry about it. It's literally that simple. But the fact of the matter is one guy starts fighting another, and a fan was thrown off a pedestrian bridge. Think about this. Thrown off of a bridge connecting the stadium. In fact, it was funny. I happened to look and I saw that bridge uh, on TV and I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's very cool. But a fan threw another fan off of a freaking bridge. Now, let me explain something to you. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but that's freaking murder. That's murder. I I'm just telling you. It's murder. So anyway. That's what happened. That's what's going on in our world. Uh, Ennis Kantner joins us coming up here in a little bit. So we got ourselves a shooting over a jar of salsa. That's right. Everything's bigger in Texas. Everything's better in Texas. All right? Everything's better. Everything is better. So in Texas, I want you to listen to this. Police in Atasokita, Texas, say gas station clerk Brianna Miranda flew off the handle after a customer broke a jar of salsa, got into an argument with Ms. Miranda. One thing led to another, and Brianna was popping off caps like she was in a rap video, cops alleged. She started capping a bitch. Oops, shouldn't say that. <laughs> or a guy, is it a guy? I don't know. She was dropping some caps in that. One thing led to another, and Brianna decided, you know what? I'm going to go get my gun. It's like the scene, one of the great scenes in White Men Can't Jump. Marcus Johnson, great, great player. Great UCLA Milwaukee Bucks player. He's like Norman. He's going in, and he got to go get his gun. He's going to shoot all you. Oh, it's the greatest scene ever. So she returns to the store. The guy walked outside, and O'Brianna, she went old Clint Eastwood on the guy, took two shots. Both hitting the dude. Now this idiot, over a jar of salsa, is up for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. It's suburban Houston. Wow. How about that? We're just going to go and fight. We're not going to fight, fight. 
I'm mad about salsa. Did you break my salsa? Yes, you broke my salsa. You broke my salsa. Salsa. You quote the great Jerry Seinfeld. Salsa. Anyway, a guy caught a 67-pound goldfish. Now, I don't think we can play it because we got, we got some problems here, but a 67-pound goldfish basically, basically looks like the biggest, fakest goldfish from your cabinet that you've ever seen in your life. True story. I looked at it yesterday uh, before we put it on here, and I'm like, wow, this is the biggest goldfish ever. And it looks just like, there it is. Hey, there she blows. Look at that thing. That's a goldfish. Holy Hades. Look at the size of that bad boy. 67 pounds. 67. Oh, can you eat goldfish? I know people drop them down their mouth, but I don't think you can eat goldfish. <laughs> All right, D. Trump in the news today. D. Trump Thanksgiving dinner. The cost, average cost of Thanksgiving dinner when D. Trump was in office was $46.90. Let me do some math here. $46.90. All right? Okay, babies. All right. So we are going to do some math. The cost this year, ladies and gentlemen, is $64.05. By my math, the average household is paying, on average, more than $17.15 per Thanksgiving dinner. There you go. Voting matters, Pete. If I can't get my bird at a better price, I don't want to hear about it. I want some bird. I want some stuffing. I want some cranberries, even though I don't eat cranberries. I want some mashed potatoes. I want gravy. Speaking of gravy, I'm just riffing here. We didn't play it because it's stupid. Is Mike Leach just an idiot or is he funny? Mike Leach. I, like, I put gravy on it. Everything is gravy. What do you make? Hey, what do you make for Thanksgiving dinner? The little sideline reporter asked. What do you got? I make the gravy. I slop everything with gravy. You do? Yeah, uh, I make my world famous gravy. Well, what do you like to eat with the gravy? What? What? I put gravy on everything. Gravy. You guys are nuts. I, ladies and gentlemen, am maybe an old man fuddy-duddy, and I will say it right now. There ain't a damn thing funny about Mike Leach. There's not. What, what, Mike Leach, you guys lose your mind. You guys are like, oh, it's the funniest thing I ever heard. I've never done anything funnier. It's the greatest thing ever. But we are talking about gravy. I like me some gravy. Oh, okay. All right. There you go. If you like gravy, then I like gravy. Gravy. Peyton Manning, Mike Leach, who else have moved into everything they say is extraordinarily funny. I want to get into that. I want to get into being extraordinarily funny. When I was the head coach at Indiana, true story, I used to tell my brother, and I had to go to a couple events, and I'm like, watch this. So you got these big dorky guys, right? You got these dorky, uh, what do you call them? You call them boosters. Now they're lifeblood, but they're boosters. So I would say something purposely that I knew that was not funny, 
But when we were 2-0 and at Indiana, I would say something funny or not funny, and they'd go, oh, God, that's funny. When you're, that's what I asked Urban one time. I said, hey, man, what do you miss about being the head coach of Ohio State? He goes, I miss being treated like the head coach of Ohio State. I like being treated. I like being treated like the head coach. I like being treated like the head coach in Indiana. The, oh, geez, you're hilarious, Double D. Oh, Grave. And you notice I close my eyes and I drop my jaw. Grave. Did you know that Germany was the World Cup favorite? Did you know that? Did you know that Germany was the World Cup favorite and they just lost? I just got. I just got a release. All right, we're going to take a break. Ennis Cantor, a.k.a., better known as Ennis Freedom, joins us next. Hey, welcome back. Ennis Freedom, nice enough to join us. Um, let's get right into it because I know you don't have a lot of time. The most valuable Patriot Award you got the other night, well-deserved. I appreciate that, man. That, you know, I, I got so many awards in my life, but that one was definitely one of the most. Actually, I have the award with me. Just right <laughs> I love there. it. Just right there. <laughs> literally just, it's literally sitting on my table. But no, man, it's just, I've been so, I, I I got so many awards in my life, but this was definitely one of the most special and unique one. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely going to put this in somewhere where everyone can see it. Why, why did this one mean so much to you? Because the last five, six, six years has been very, very tough. You know, the Turkish government revoked my passport, put my name, put my name on Interpol list. So I pretty much, I literally didn't have a home. I didn't have any place to call home or the, my own country that I'm from that was calling me a terrorist. You know, just because of what I talk about the, some of the problems that are happening over there, some of the human rights violations. But now, finally, I can call a place home. I can call uh, people where I sit on the streets say, these are my family. These are the people that who support me from day one, open their armor and give me a warm welcome. That, that's why this award is like the most important one for me. Yeah, I saw the other day you were talking about that. You were talking about traveling and being able to put an American passport oh, man. down. And, and, and what it opened for you. I think people that grew up in America just simply take this for granted. Exactly, man. You know, whenever I travel any country out there in the world. I have no fear now because I know that I have the American passport. Um, you know, what be, before, around six years ago, when I was traveling with the Turkish passport, obviously there was a huge um, potential that they could have extradited me back to Turkey because of the passport. But now, any place I go to, I'm like, boom, you know, this is my passport now. This is who I am. This is where I'm from. Take that. You know, so that actually like... <laughs> Now, that gave, gives me so much courage and motivation and hope. Um, now, I'm not fearing for my life because I know that I have this passport with me where it's going to protect me after God. Does it? I, I'm going to use the word frustrate you. I don't know if it's the right word or not, but does it frustrate you to see how Americans take this for granted? Yeah. You know, whenever one of my teammates or whenever, uh, whenever some of my friends was criticizing America, right? I actually want to take him. I want to buy their plane tickets and take him some of the countries out there like China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, Venezuela, Cuba. I can go on and on, you know? And I'm like, listen, you 
you are criticizing this country, and I'm not saying America is perfect, obviously. Everybody has their own problem, but like you're criticizing this country. Well, look at here, look at China, look at Russia, look at Iran, look at North, look at Turkey. You know, so you know, I just hope that people don't take that their freedom for really granted because that's like the most important thing for a human being. I saw an interview with you the other day, and it was interesting to me. And it, it hit me as a guy that played college basketball at Indiana, never good enough to make the NBA, but coached a number of NBA kids. It was fascinating. All of a sudden, this started happening. And, and I want to get your take on why and when it started. NBA season's over, and all of a sudden, the biggest stars in the game, almost like it's it's their, their bag is already packed and they're going yeah. to China. What is that about? What when did this start? So before this whole COVID thing, right? Um, whenever you know we play basketball, whenever we do, you know, whenever like it was coming end, end of the season, I remember this talk in a locker room where they were already you know, purchasing their plane ticket, purchasing, you know, planning their trip to China. And I was like very confused. I'm like, dude, you just coming out of, out of like 82 game season and a playoff, just like go have a vacation with your family, go see your mom and dad, go hang out with your like, you know, go to vacation with your kids and stuff. But no, they were planning their China trip, their trip already. And I was very confused. I just didn't understand. I'm like, I don't know why, but then I started to ask questions to some of my teammates. I'm like, why are, why are these people are, you know, planning their trip already? Was well, They were like, well, you know, the shoe deals, endorsement deals, the business that they can do with China. And it was so crazy to me. Before even they take some time for themselves and for, for their family, they were already planning their trip to China. And this was very confusing to me. There are Two, another 200 countries out there in the world, but they were specifically <laughs> targeting that country because they know that the money that they can make, the business deals that they can sign, the endorsement deals that they can get, it was blowing my mind. You don't go to a China no. unless you have something set up in China. Exactly. What did you think? Like, how deep was it for the? It wasn't just to go there because Nike asked us to go there. It had to be deeper than all that, right? There had to be all kind of stuff going on. Oh no, for sure. But it just it just breaks my heart because, like, I mean, they are smart guys. You know, they read obviously, they research and all that stuff. I mean, they are by knowing that they are going to become a part of the Chinese propaganda, and they were still taking that chance of going to uh, China because they're like, you know what? You know, we, we don't care about what's happening over there. We just care about our money. We just care about our business, our shoe sales and jersey sales. And I was like, you guys know what's going on. You guys know the abuses that they're, are, they're doing. And this is not politics. This is human rights, you know? So it's, uh, I was, in, a, in the beginning, I was very shocked. But then I'm like, well, they're making millions of dollars and signing this. I mean, there are so... There are over 25 players in this league right now that are signed with the Chinese sugar company. 25 players with? I believe, I believe over 25 players. I mean, it, it's on internet. If you don't believe me, you can go. No, there. I believe. Of course I believe. No, I'm, I mean, I'm talking about for the fans yeah, yeah, yeah. who are listening to this. But I believe over 25 players are signed with, you know, companies like, I guess, like Leaning and, 365 and some of the other companies. I mean, it's only internet. You guys can find find it quickly. You 
speak out, you got blackballed. Mm-hmm. Are you going to sue the NBA? Good question. You know, the last seven, eight months has been very busy for me because I've been getting invited from different you know, governments and parliaments. I've been going to, you know, speak from, you know, with some, some of the leaders and stuff. But just, I'm just going to give you the stats. You know, before Boston Celtics, when they were like trying to not play me on purpose, the year before I played with Portland Trail Blazers, I averaged double-double, right? I started many games and we made a playoffs and we won some games in playoffs. So they are telling me, a, not even a year later, I forgot how to play basketball. I, I for, <laughs> I'm just not good enough to play basketball anymore. I mean, people will laugh at that. Even some of the some of my teammates before I got <clears throat> before I got fired, they were telling me, "It's like, listen, man, you know this is your last in the league, right? You are not going to get another contract after this, and it, it is not going to be about basketball." Um, I sit down with my lawyers and had a conversation and stuff. I mean, they're like, "I mean, let's do it," you know, because our case is very strong and everybody they're not going to admit it obviously but our case is very strong and you you have been blackballed and let's do it you know it's funny um in 2019 i'm sitting courtside you're playing the pacers you're with the knicks and you guys weren't very good and i don't think the pacers are very good uh the game is over you played i don't know fisdale was the coach so you played a bunch and all that and after the game I do a radio show in Indy, and for the rest of the season, I'm like, you got to bring Ennis Cantor here. Ennis Cantor is mm-hmm. a perfect person to play with the with the Pacers. He's tough. He's like Jeff. Blah 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 blah. Then you go to Boston, and all of a sudden you can't play. You go to Port, you can't <laughs> play. I'll, I'll, you, you know what I mean? Seventy two <laughs> games. I followed your career. Seventy two games with Portland, and then all of a sudden in Boston, after thirty five games, you can't play. You, you can't. That's what I'm trying to tell people, and I see some of the players in the league. No disrespect. I see some of the players in the league. I'm like, come on, man. You know, I don't want to give any names right now, but I believe that I could start at least 10 to 12 uh, teams in the in this league. And this is just unbelievable. And everybody, obviously, the basketball experts, the coaches, the players, or the NBA itself, they're never going to admit it that I've been blackballed, but they all know I'm being blackballed. There's, that's a really, I, I have a family full of lawyers and I was asking my brother, like, how, how what, because that'd be a hard thing to prove unless somebody cracked, right? Unless somebody said, <laughs> yeah, you know, I was in those meetings and yeah, you know what? We, we did that. It's a hard thing, right? It's a hard lawsuit to win. Um, it is, but you know what? I feel like just, it's worth it just to expose the whole NBA, just to expose their hypocrisy, just to. Give some people a courage. Give players a, a courage. I feel like it's it's uh, worth it. When when you when guys are together, mm-hmm. what, for, let's say one is nobody supports you, ten is everybody supports you, and I'm talking NBA players now. One to ten, where would you fit with with the support you get? Like the silent support, eleven. Okay. I, <laughs> no, 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 the, the, I yeah. promise you, like because I remember because I remember. When I started to talk about these problems, so many of my teammates reached out. I'm not, I'm not talking about just from Boston Celtics. I'm talking about players that I played like five, six, seven years ago. They said, listen, man, keep doing what you're doing. You know, keep speaking up because you're not talking about politics. Everyone should support you. I have never in my life said, okay, let's vote for this guy. Let's vote for this party. No, I'm talking about human rights. I'm talking about 
the, the rights of Tibetans, Hong Kongers, Taiwanese people, um, you know, Uyghur people. So like everyone should support you. We are, we are trying to expose the hypocrisy of Nike and some of the other companies out there, which involves slave labor. So many of my teammates were saying, listen, man, we love you. I think what you're doing is so amazing. We support you, but we just cannot do it out loud. I asked them why. They said, well, you know, we have shoe deals, endorsement deals. Yeah, exactly. We want to get another contract. I asked him one simple question. I was like, put yourself in their shoes. Put your mom, put your daughter, put your sister in their shoes. If they're, if they're in the concentration camps getting tortured and raped every day, would you still pick money and business over your morals, values, and principles? No answer. And that is the one thing that kills me inside because human is human. It doesn't matter. They're in America. They're in China. They're in whoever, Turkey, you know? So, like, stand up for these innocent people, man, because people are dying. People are getting gangrene. People are getting tortured. And I'm not just saying that. The reports are saying that. Did, did anybody above the level of a player, coach, you know, ever support you privately? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. It's actually very interesting. So every time, right, I join uh, Fox News, this is a very, very interesting story. Every time I join Fox News, um, the, the next morning in a practice, some of my coaches, some of my assistant coaches were coming up to me and whispering in my ear. They said, listen, man, I support you. My family supports you. We just uh, watched you yesterday on Fox News. Sorry, we just cannot do it out loud because if you show your, you know, if you show who you support in NBA and if that people or that side you support is right, right people, uh, the right side, then, you know, you're going to be getting hate the rest of the year. So just keep that to yourself that me and my family support you, but keep doing what you're doing. And it was like, I was like, oh my God, people are literally are scared to say who they support or what channel they watch or who they vote for. They have to hide in NBA because the environment is so toxic. When, when, when people said that, the easiest thing in the world to do is say, hey, I support you, but I ain't doing nothing. Right? I mean, it's, it's you know. I mean, I believe one day they're going to understand the things that they're doing wrong. I just hope that it's not too late because this platform is given by God. And I feel like we need to use it, not only make money for ourselves, but like to be the voice of all those innocent people out there who don't have a voice, you know? So like, I just hope that they can see what's going on. But I, you know, slowly they are. There are some couple other uh, players started to slowly speak out about the things that are happening with Nike. And they started to criticize the, the owner of Brooklyn Nets, Joe Tsai, who is pretty much funding the genocide in China, which I am shocked that he owns a team in NBA, which I just don't know that how Adam Silver can give him an NBA team, the, a guy who is funding the genocide. Um, but no, I, I believe this, you know, the players knows. I just hope that they gain a courage to talk about it. Jalen Brown did come out and Jalen yeah. Brown. Yeah. That's he, what, exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Did he talk to you at all? He was the guy that actually sitting right next to me in the plane. You know, so me and him talk a lot about what's happening with Nike, what's what's happening in China. And I believe that of them all, I think he is the one that has a potential and courage to talk about what's going on because he actually cares about people. I just hope 
that he come out and say, hey, man, listen, this is what's happening. And when, when I saw his tweet about Nike, I'm like, there you go. Why isn't he being cut by the Celtics? Well, I mean, he, why is he not being cut by the Celtics? Because he did not directly criticize China. He said something against Nike, and that was, that was just like a one sim- simple tweet. But if he, I mean, I, I don't care how good of a player you are. I don't care how good of a, you know, scorer or whoever you are. If you talk about China, you'll be cut. So, and he knows that. Daryl Morey had one simple tweet. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't... You know, I'm going to, uh, let me tell you a crazy story, actually. So once I started, the, not actually not, not, not many people uh, knows about this. So when I started to criticize China, right, the, one of the first persons that who reached out was Daryl uh, Morey. He said, listen, you know, they, they, made me, they made me took my tweet down. They made me apologize. They made me, you know, say I wasn't educated about this situation now. But you don't apologize. You don't take your uh, tweet down. You keep going. Uh, you keep doing what you're doing. And I was like, oh, my goodness. This is crazy. They literally made him took his tweet down. Because it was up for 10 minutes that he took it down. And the NBA put a statement out there and said, we are, you know, supporting our employee and a free speech, then why did you make make him <laughs> took his tweet down? That is just everything that you, you go against, you know? Because NBA loves to, like, whenever something happens in, in America, NBA is the first organization that comes out and say, well, you know, we are more than just an organization, basketball organization. We care about what's happening. I'm like, come on, man. You make billions of dollars every year from the worst dictatorship in the world. And when I player comes out and say something, you cut him. Just hypocrisy. How, how frustrating, I'll let you go with this, how frustrating is that particular hypocrisy where the NBA promotes itself more than just a <laughs> basketball player? Don't shut up and dribble, except when it comes to China, except when it comes to that. You know what frustrates me the most? How can a Chinese dictatorship, right, control a 100% American-made company? and fire an American citizen from American-made company. That is the one thing that just, <laughs> like, I just, I just, I just, I, I don't understand. How? I ask people, I'm like, how can they do it? Are they really that deep? That it just, no, it, that is the one thing that frustrates me. But I'm glad that I exposed them. I have no regrets, you know. I could have played another five, six years, but I was seeing the hypocrisy. I was seeing... The things that the NBA stands up for, they know that it's not going to affect their money, business, or anything like that. You know, as soon as a player, a coach, or anyone that will do anything that will affect their business, he'll be cut. You know, so, but uh, hey, someone come out finally. Last, last thing, because uh, it drives me nuts, and I don't, I'm not near, nor, near around it like you. But when I hear what a great leader, Adam Silver is, mm. I want to throw up. Yeah, same here. Because, <laughs> no, listen, <clears throat> some of the things, obviously, me when me and him had a conversation for 30 minutes, I believe it, it got leaked out on internet. Um, you know, he was talking to me like a robot. He was telling me what I wanted to hear. He was telling me about all these beautiful things, right? But when it comes to taking some actions, when it comes to when he goes for front of media and got asked questions, it's like he is lying. He is literally the most hypocritical, the, 
leader that I have seen in a sports organization. You know, you say one thing to a player's face, you say, well, there's a different system in China, obviously, blah, blah. And when you go for media, you say, oh, yeah, you know, it's, we have freedom of speech here. You can say whatever he wants. But then you cut him. And then, and then the NBA media kisses his ass. Oh, so actually, one of my uh, one of my teammates said, "Don't don't wait for you know uh, the sports media or NBA media to support you because they're being controlled by the NBA. They cannot say a word about what you're uh, talking about. Look at all these commentators. Look at Skip and Shannon. Look at Stephanie Smith. Look at all this like." the commentators that will say anything that happened about when it, when the when the topic is china right no words you look at the tnt crew you look at skip and shannon you look at stephanie smith you look at all the reporters they cannot say a word because they've been controlled by the nba because that's where they are making their money from keep fighting man Thank you, man. I appreciate that. No, you're an inspiration. You survived right Calipari. <laughs> you, uh, you know, you had to sit out, not play, and you had to survive yeah. that crazy man who's a friend. Uh, congratulations on the award and all you're doing, man. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. I could have done that for another two hours. We got to run. I ran out of time, but I don't care. I just kept going because I love that man. I do. I think that man is the best thing going in our country right now. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. Thanks, Ennis. Thank you, all.